Welcome back to the NBA Fan Podcast, Better Late Than Never edition. We're here to talk about the NBA Finals. Uh, we're going to talk about the NBA Draft a little bit and then heading into what uh, I imagine will be a pretty wild free agency offseason uh, as we count down the days to the new season kicking off in just a few months. Uh, I'm your host, Trent Kinsey, here with my co-host, Chris Randazzo. Chris, what's up? Uh, doing well. Ready for this episode. Better late than never. We've also got... We got a guest co-host today, my good friend Mark Casper, co-host on another podcast, Humdinger. He's on a couple of podcasts. You can catch him with with Chris on a couple of podcasts as well. Mark, what's going on, man? Yo, yo, Hezzy, step back, jumper. It's in. Mark knows absolutely nothing about basketball. As you <laughs> <know>. <laughs> That's exactly why I was brought on this pod. Why we have to you bring here, a different man. to bring a different perspective. Yes. We're going to start off with a quick recap of the finals. Uh, as we said, better late than never edition here. Uh, I had uh, my wife and I welcomed our son Rory into the world a few weeks ago, which is why I have been I have been incognito, been out and about, uh, running on caffeine right now. But excited to talk about the finals a little bit. Um, so we had uh, Cavs versus Warriors. I think it went just about the exact same way that Chris and I thought it would when we previewed it on our last episode. But Chris, Mark, would love to get your thoughts. Anything stand out to you about the finals? I'll jump in. The first thing that stands out to me is that I'm pretty sure I made a bet uh, on a sweep. Was that with you, Trent? Did I bet you five dollars? Let's go back to the audio tape on that. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'll Cue pull up. up. That's right. Cue up the audio. Audio right work some, here. Work some editing magic on that. Um, I think he said he would uh, He would name his firstborn son after you if he lost, Chris. <laughs> um, I made $10 betting on the sweep overall, whether it was with Trent or other friends. Um, and I was so confident in the sweep that I was willing to put down big bucks. I feel like... I. <laughs> Were you in touch with J.R. Smith to make sure that that sweep happened? Were you? Did you? Did you give him like fifty percent of that? Oh yeah, he, it was totally worth the two fifty for him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he paid him off. He paid him off, guys. I I don't know about you. I know technically a four zero sweep sounds not very exciting, but I thought it was a great series. I mean, I thought all the games were close, really, except for Game Four. Um, game One. Probably the most memorable game of the entire series will forever be known as the J.R. Smith game, mm-hmm. even though I think he's he he will be, uh, even though he did make a, one of the biggest boneheaded plays of you know the finals history in recent memory. Uh, I sort of feel like he's kind of a little bit unfairly lambasted for that. I mean, George Hill did miss the free throw, um, but uh, I don't know. I I feel I feel for him. I hate that he did that. But I, I overall, I, I thought it was a really fascinating, exciting series. I mean, game game three was a Durant. It was almost a play-by-play of, like, mirror of last year's finals. Like, Durant just went off and hit that, like, exact same dagger three-pointer. Uh, it was just fantastic. Yeah. You know, Mark, you bring up a great point in game one. Uh, I totally forgot that George Hill missed the free throw. Like everyone did. All you think about is the greatest thing that 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 happened to George Hill's reputation is G.R. Smith's boneheaded move. That way, he, he will never. You're everyone's gonna forget that he missed the free throw. And he's a great free throw shooter, right? Didn't he normally shoot in the nineties? No, he's like eighty percent, but that's still pretty good. That's still good. Yeah, yeah. totally buckled under pressure, hundred percent. 
Here, here's my question. Let's uh, a couple questions I have for you guys. One is if the Cavs do indeed win Game One, which by all rights they probably should have. Also, the, the call they got reversed very controversial. Uh, what do you think? Do you think it would have given the Cavs enough juice to to be to be competitive to to win the series? No, I think, think it could have gone still- six. I think it could have gone six. My the game that that I expected the Cavs to come close in was game three, the first game back in Cleveland. So I think if they win game one, they lose game two, they, they still would have had a chance with game three and would have felt pretty confident going in 1-1. Um, but I, I, I think at most that would have pushed it to a six-game series. I don't, I don't think they had any chance to. Agreed. I think maybe I would have said five. Um, I think that they were really competitive anyway surprisingly competitive games two and three even with the the devastating blow to what they could have gotten in game one so I think they played way better than I thought they were going to play I thought LeBron um, played as well as he could have involving his other teammates scoring when he needed to and then you, you know you for sure saw it game one game two and three it was still there but maybe not as much and then and then it comes out that maybe he punched the wall too hard. I know that that that, that was going to be my next question: is what what do what do you guys make of after Game Four? LeBron comes out with a cast on his hand, says, "Oh yeah, I I basically have been playing this entire series with a broken hand because he punched a wall after the loss in Game One." I mean, in your mind, is that like, yeah, he probably did, and that explains, you know. Uh, explains kind of the his dip in game two and three and four or in your mind is that like oh that was him kind of spinning it a little bit to kind of you know say that's that's why we lost i i don't think he was suggesting that that was why they lost because i i personally don't think his performance was that bad in the finals um i i'll be honest like i i, I don't really know why they waited to bring that up at the end because Again, like I said, I don't think LeBron played poorly, and I'm not sure what else he could have done to have, like, you can't single-handedly win a series, especially against a team like that. So it it was weird to me. I was definitely, yeah, it, it was a strange well, thing. Well, I feel like there is a there is kind of a history of great players concealing either injuries or illnesses during, like, championship games, uh, and it coming out later that, like, yeah, you know, Donovan McNabb was like Donovan horribly McNabb. Ill. What a callback. Like, what a callback. NBA fan podcast? NBA <laughs> fan podcast. I'm just saying, like, there has been, like, I, I think people, great players withhold that because they don't want, like, an asterisk by, so, they, they don't want that to be, like, the thing. Here's the thing. During during the series, but after the series. Wait, Mark, I'm confused. Are you legitimately calling back to Donovan McNabb or were you? Were you trying to refer to Donovan Mitchell? No, no, I'm, I'm talking about Donovan McNabb. Oh. It was like a Super Bowl. Oh, okay. Like, you, you were going uh, to another sport. When the, when the Eagles were in the Super Bowl, he was like throwing up in the huddle. And nobody knew about it till after till after the game. Right. So I'm saying so, there is kind of a track record of like, I'm not going to... A great player saying like, hey, I'm not going to talk about this injury before the game or during the game. I mean, it's a little bit different with basketball because it's a whole series. But when it's all said and done... Yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, I, I kind of so, played with a broken hand. Just to be clear, just to be clear, Mark, you're and I'm not saying you're wrong, but you're suggesting that he 
brought out the cast at the end to say, hey, this is why we got swept. This is why I didn't play well. And he, so I'm looking at this now. He averaged 34 points, nine rebounds, 10 assists on 53% shooting and 85% from the line. Um, but what, what might he have done <laughs> if he didn't have a broken hit? Like, I, just, I, I don't know. No, no, like, no. I I, I, he... I'm not saying that he, uh, that he was suggesting that that's why they won, but some people were saying he was kind of like, a little bit like putting his a spin on the series, uh, just so you know. We'll say, yeah, well, you know, yeah, they got swept, but he kind of played with a broken hand, and and yeah, his his numbers probably don't show it as much. But I saw like a stat, a stat sheet that showed like his outside. Basically, he he stopped taking like three pointers. Yeah, uh, I mean, he like, definitely he definitely did struggle shooting three pointers, but. He was weirdly incredible at the line, so I don't yeah, know. yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't think he, he had like a horrible performance, but uh, I don't know. There was some. There's a lot of like conspiracies on like LeBron's sort of like spinning the media or like I, I don't know. We don't. We we can move on. We don't have to hang on this. But uh, here's my next question: What do you guys think the legacy of this? What will we remember about this series uh, like ten years from now? I don't think we will remember this series 10 years from now. Um, I, I think this is maybe the least memorable of the, I think the biggest thing we might remember from this is what the effect that it has on free agency, you know, like this will be the one that we look at kind of like we look at the thunder golden state series from 2016 and we say, Oh man, the thunder came so close. And then Kevin Durant went to the warriors. I'm not saying LeBron's going to go to the warriors, but like, I, this maybe this is the one we look at that we're like, oh yeah, this was the point where LeBron really realized like I can't do this, I can't do it in Cleveland, I got to go somewhere else. But other than that, I, I I honestly, I know you guys are talking about how much fun you had watching this series. I I really thought other than Game One, it was a pretty boring series, and it's not it's not anybody's fault. It's just Cleveland is just over was just overmatched, and it just it wasn't that fun to watch unless you're a Warriors fan, but. I I enjoyed it. I'm a Warriors fan. I'm not ashamed. <laughs> um, but I also think what made it enjoyable was one, you know, I think maybe when you are a fan, you also know your great team's weaknesses. And so you know that really they could fall. It's just that they're, they have such an incredible track record of coming through and being amazing but you're still amazed when they are amazing again. So I think it's it's the opposing fans that are like, of course they're going to win. But when you are a fan, you, you, you know that sometimes they go cold. At the end of the day, minus Kevin Durant, this is a, a live or die by the you know three-point shot team sometimes. Yes, they've got maybe the best defense in the nation too. But those kind of dynamics play into enjoying watching them, enjoying watching them win, enjoy watching Steph go – you know, drop nine threes in game two or three, whichever game that was. Um, you enjoy watching Kevin Durant have that cyclical moment again. I think those are still super enjoyable. The only game I didn't enjoy legitimately was the second half of game four. And I had invited like yeah. 10 people over yeah. and we're all just kind of like struggling to enjoy it, honestly. So yeah, I agree. I, I mean, they, they totally gave up. Like the Cavs just gave up. Yeah, they put Can their subs in. <laughs> well, they put their subs in at like five minutes left, and it's like this is literally the last game ever. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, my, I, I love the part where they. Uh, 
I can't remember the guy's name. You guys got to help me out here. But he's on the Cavs bench. He kind of looks European, but he's a white guy. And I think it was game four. But they put him in in garbage time. Literally hasn't played five minutes the entire Osmond? series. Yeah. And and he's guarding Steph, and Steph just immediately torches him for a three pointer in his face. Like yes. it was. I'm just like, if you're that player, are you are you grateful to be in the finals, or are you like, screw you, coach? Like you know, I you know I haven't been getting any time, and you put me in, and I'm just getting just getting blown away here by Curry. That was a fun moment. That was a good moment. It, it reminds me of I think. Tristan Thompson, who didn't play a ton, or it's either him or someone else comes off the bench and immediately has to guard Kevin Durant his very first play. It was either Tristan yeah, Thompson know. or someone else, and it's just, you know, the commentators went on and on about how you bring somebody in cold their very first play. Yeah. They're, they're guarding Kevin Durant, yeah. and he puts on a move. And, you know, to, to me, to tie this back to the original question, I think this does a lot for the legacy of the Warriors. I think that getting three and four is really, really important. The fact that they should have won, in my opinion, that one in the middle against the Cavs and should have four in a row right now going on further. You know, they're they're really passing by a lot of people. Am I am I getting the stat wrong? No, you got it right. You got it right. You yeah. got it right. So I just think that um, to me, they're going to rem- be remembered. It's really important for the Warriors legacy long term, especially depending on what happens this offseason. Yeah, I think it does yeah, something. I, it does, sorry, I was just gonna say, uh, yeah, that that was another question I had. Is uh, obviously Rendazzo, you're a little bit biased. You're very much biased because you're a Warriors fan. But uh, I, how do you guys feel about sort of the whole like Warriors dynasty? And like, is it you know are these great super teams good for the sport? I, my my thing is, I mean this. Dynasty is kind of what pulled me into the NBA, and even though um, you know, it's funny, been it's what pulled Randazzo into the NBA as well. Okay, yeah. good one, Kenzie. Good one. <laughs> even though, even though they've been, you know, like you said, they won three and four. Like this, I mean, I the, you is there any question that this, you know, Cavs uh, Warriors is is the Celtics Lakers of of our decade? I mean. Uh, as far as like the iconic rivalry, I mean, maybe it's not as uh, as even, but I mean, that's the thing that like brought me in. Like I, the other NBA f- finals, you know, before this, to me, those are way more forgettable. Where it was just kind of like a new team, uh, more or less winning every year. I mean, uh, I I love seeing new teams win, but also like there's something about you know, dynasties and great teams and greatness that I feel like draws in more people. I don't know. What do you guys think? I think you you had a few questions there. One, the Warriors are definitely a dynasty on par with any other dynasty you can think of in the NBA, be it the Bulls in the 90s, the Spurs the last 20 years, um, the Celtics and Lakers, you know, all of that. They're, they are on par with those with those teams for sure and those dynasties um is it good for the nba i i mean i don't see why not it, it you have the rest of the nba trying to i mean i don't want there to just be like three good teams but i think i don't think we're in danger of that right now um and and i think you have everybody else trying to gear up to try to take the warriors down so i think that's fine and, and i also think to your point mark there's a lot of 
people who are casual fans who love to watch dominance and they love to watch really good teams. And uh, we make fun of jumping on the bandwagon all the time, but it's the, it's really easy and it's really fun to do because why wouldn't you, you know, I think sometimes in sports, there's, there's this sports fans tend to get very emotional and very defensive. And there's this idea of like only being loyal to your team, even if they're terrible. Um, whereas I tend to fall more along the lines of like, I like watching really good teams play, <laughs> you know? So right. it, why would I, why would I purposely want to be put through terrible basketball if I could watch really good basketball? Um, so it, I think that's great for the NBA as well. Um, as far as the Cavs and the Warriors themselves being like Lakers Celtics, I don't know if I would go that far um, because the Cavs, I won't say they've been a bad team, but I don't think they've necessarily been a team that's been on, on par um, with either of those other teams. It hasn't been even enough. Although, one last point, and then Randall, I know you want to step in. Had the Warriors not gotten Kevin Durant, I do think this is more of a Lakers Celtics type of thing. Because I think if yeah. the Warriors don't get Kevin Durant, they're well, still a it's very good more even. There's right. a very good chance that they're still I mean, obviously they're having to compete against him. He's in Oklahoma City or whatever, but like there's still a very good chance that the Warriors are in four straight finals. Um, very good chance that they're still winning the finals, but they're it's not a no contest, basically. Yeah. Like it's become. So, you know, maybe if they don't get Durant, you know, maybe then, but yeah, I think the first first thing I would want to interject into this question, this conversation is I don't I don't remember the Cavs being the Cavs. I remember the Cavs being the LeBrons. You know, this was <laughs> this was the Warriors versus the LeBrons, aka LeBron. So to me, that was why it wasn't a contest and it was how I saw it to make it enjoyable. I thought watching LeBron play was amazing. I watch, I enjoyed every minute of watching LeBron play, even against the Warriors, but especially Eastern Conference leading up to it. The second thing that I I think is, you know, to that point, Kyrie wasn't on the team this year. I think Kevin Love has been, for the most part, forgettable in the last two years. He was good in the finals this year, but yeah. Um, as a whole, you know, to me, he just wasn't that superstar that he needed to be. He wasn't a big three type of a player and asset. So... It's really just LeBron, I think, representing the Cavs. And then um, going to what you were saying at the end, a no contest type thing. In reality, in my opinion, the um, the red team. The red the Rockets. Team, thank you. The, the Rockets Warriors. That series, I'm showing my, I'm just, I'm slow today. Sorry. Chris Paul, the Chris Pauls. Um the Rockets really had a really good chance against beating the Warriors this year. I mean, they put together a solid team, solid strategy, and it was working for the most part yeah. until yeah. Uh, Paul goes down. And so, and even then, you know, they were close. So, yeah, I think that um, the Warriors, one, it's hard to get the motivation to try and win another championship. And, and, and you could almost say this was their fourth year in a row, even though they'd lost one in there. So that's hard. The Rockets haven't had it. They had every single reason to want it and have that internal motivation. They've never gotten there. You know, Harden hasn't proved himself. Chris Paul's always been hurt. And so they just had everything going for them to get that win and get that victory. And they go up 3-2. And then Paul gets hurt and Harden just really wasn't 
MVP material like he had been all year. And so then, then they lose in a really close seven-game series. So to me, I don't really put the Warriors as this monumental team that didn't, you know, it wasn't even a question whether they were going to win the finals. It really was just whoever came out of the West. Yeah. Yeah. You guys have any last points before we move on to the draft? I'll transition us pretty well. I'll tell you what the Warriors and LeBron dynasty does make me not like about the NBA. And that is that the Hawks don't have a chance. Never going to have a chance. The process sucks. (laughs) And um, I don't trust the process. I just want to go on record to say that I don't trust the process. Um, and I know so, it's weird about a process. There's not even a process to trust. You know what's weird about uh, about what you just said, Randazzo? That it's you coming out with these hot takes. I don't understand where where is this coming from, Randazzo with hot takes? Oh, weird. Uh, <laughs> We've never seen this. Never seen Randazzo with hot takes. Uh, I, I don't think that that is a hot take at all. <laughs> the Hawks not having a chance. I. The Hawks not take. having a chance ever? I, that's a pretty hot take. Well, I, no, well, I'm not saying ever. I, you did so, say ever, though. Okay. Go back to the tape. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what I meant, let me clarify Stay myself. Clear. Let me clarify. clarify. Um, given this draft, uh, and specifically being in Atlanta, wanting to pull for the home team is tough when they make stupid drafts. So um, I'm just previewing my opinion of it. Maybe, Trent, do you want to break down the draft for me and Mark, as well as our audience uh, as a whole. And you can kind of focus on what the Hawks did. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to just focus on the Hawks. I want to kind of do like winners and losers and, and, and all that, all that fun stuff. But overall I thought it was a, it was a good draft. This was a really good crop of players. And so that usually makes for a pretty fun, pretty fun draft. Um, so yeah, overall, uh, I if any of you are friends with me or follow me on social media, you know that I I kind of uh, self destructed on Thursday night watching the draft, especially uh, watching the lead up to it. Uh, and you know, I'm I'm not a diehard Hawks fan, but living in Atlanta for most of my life, I I definitely like the Hawks. And and actually, to your point, Chris, I actually think they've been managed very well the last few years. So I was very excited that they. Um, you know, I loved their draft pick last year of John Collins and I was excited to see who they could pair with him this year. And they got the third pick, which was great because there were, and we talked about this in one of our previous episodes, there were kind of three players that I felt like were the kind of far and above the top three prospects and Deandre Ayton, the center out of university of Arizona, Marvin Bagley, power forward out of Duke and Luka Doncic, uh, or Doncic, the, um, uh, European superstar, if you will, um, out of Real Madrid. And uh, so I had heard rumors that, well, first of all, everyone should know, I'll go through this very, very quickly because I want to talk about other teams too, but the Hawks GM is the former assistant GM of Golden State, uh, Travis Schlenk. Um, and Schlenke. so he, yeah, so he was a part of, uh, he was a part of the process in Golden State of building you know, drafting Clay Thompson, drafting Steph Curry, drafting Draymond Green, building, you know, trading for Andre Iguodala, building that that dynasty. Um, and so, yeah, I started hearing some rumors that the Hawks were were very much in love with Trey Young out of Oklahoma and that they were willing to trade um, 
to see what assets they could get if anybody else wanted to trade up to their spot at three so that they could get Trey Young because Trey Young wasn't worth the third overall pick. Um, and that's that's what they ended up doing, trading with Dallas. Dallas wanted Luka Doncic from the very beginning. That was their guy. That was who they wanted, which I can't really blame them personally because um, he's the best player in the draft. But hot take, but... Um, no, yeah. I mean, for a while, wasn't he projected to go number one overall? Um, I don't know that he was ever really projected to go number one overall because, first of all, because it was just a really good draft. Um, and I think, you know, DeAndre Ayton is such a monster. And he didn't, he wasn't like disappointing necessarily at University of Arizona. So I think that he was pretty much guaranteed to, to be out there. But I will say Doncic was. Uh, he was always hovering around the one, two, or three spot for sure. Yeah, I think Aiton fit what Phoenix wanted and needed a little bit more, since they've yeah. already got their perennial superstar, you know, in the guard position. So here, here, here's my question for you guys: what What do you think kind of tipped the scale for the Hawks? Uh, obviously, like when they traded down uh, to get Trey Young, they also I think they got a um, a lottery pick. Is it next year or 2020? Yeah, uh, 2019. Right, so obviously they, they got a player they wanted and another lottery pick. But uh, in my mind, I mean, both Doncic and um, Trey Young, they're both point guards. Uh, Trey Young... Not necessarily. Yeah, I, I thought Doncic, Doncic was is, a point guard. Doncic is six foot eight. so Doncic is more of a... He's more of like a Ben Simmons type, so he probably will bring the ball up for the Mavericks a good bit. Um, but I don't, I don't know that I would necessarily, it's like, do you consider LeBron a point guard? I mean, I, right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, in, in all the, in all the highlights I saw of him, he was bringing the ball up and the offense seemed to yeah. kind of run through him. But it, but my question is like, like how is like, if you're, if you're trying to rebuild the Warriors and you're essentially trying to draft uh, a Steph Curry, which I mean, there's not another Steph Curry, uh, I mean, why wouldn't you go with a player who's super young, who has a really high ceiling, and who's like proven that he can compete at the highest level? I mean, I know Trey Young had some monster numbers this year, but I don't know. He just seem he just seems like it could be a phenomenal bust. And so, yeah, that's my question for you guys: is if if they are trying to rebuild the Warriors and looking for a Steph, why? Like, what did they see in Trey Young that that wasn't there in Doncic? Yeah, it's the second part of that question that gets me because I, I do want to be clear. Like, I I don't think Trey Young is going to be a bust. I think he'll be a bust if you think he's going to be Steph Curry, but right. I think he's going to be a really good player. Now, I will say I did bet one of my friends. Speaking of bets earlier, I bet one of my friends if Trey Young makes more than one All Star team, I'm going to buy him dinner for a week. Um, so it that kind of shows you what I think. Like, I don't think he's going to be a perennial All Star. I think he can make one. Um, but I don't think he's going to be this, you know, unbelievable right. player, but I do think he's right. going to be good. Like, I think he's a, he's a, he's a starting caliber point guard. He's definitely an excellent shooter. Um, he's undersized. He's not a good defensive player, but, but I think it's what it's always going to come down to is being compared to Doncic and Travis Schlink said after the draft, like we were looking specifically for players that can shoot, handle the ball and pass that are basically we're looking for cerebral players offensively that can do all of those things. And my immediate response to that is 
Donk or Doncic is better than all three players you drafted at, at at least two out of three of those things. <laughs> if not, you know, with Trey Young, you could argue that Trey Young is a better shooter than Doncic is. But Doncic, it's a difference between like Trey Young shot thirty six percent from the college three point line. Doncic shot, I think, thirty three percent from the NBA professional three point line at Real right. Madrid. You know, right. and and Doncic is not a volume shooter like Trey Young is. And he, the other thing about Doncic is that he's clutch. Like he, he hit big threes when they needed to. So he's definitely not, he's not going to be in the three point shootout or anytime soon in the NBA or anything like that, but he's fine at shooting. You know, I, I don't think there's going to be that much of a difference between him and Trey Young that it negates everything else that Doncic does for you. Right. So it just, yeah, it, that, that line of reasoning from, from, uh, Schlink doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And it, it sounds to me like you're just trying to make an excuse for basically just drafting players that reminded you of the Golden State versions. So, yeah. Yeah, I just don't like it. I, I just don't think it's going to come true. And and uh, I think while everybody, including the Hawks, are aware of um, Trey Young's defensive problems and they're just trying to change the narrative – that doesn't actually mean it's going to change. You can still be picked on. So, um, so yeah, I was just I was pretty disappointed with it. But we don't need to spend too much longer on this, Trent. What, looking at the draft as a whole, mm-hmm. who do you think are the winners? Like you mentioned before, you know, winners versus losers. Which teams came out of this, um, and you know, who would you give the highest grades to? Yeah. So I won't spend a lot of time on this because we just talked about it, but. Uh, the Mavericks taking Doncic, I think, is massive. Not just because of what I think about Doncic, but I also think the Mavericks are probably the best fit, other than maybe the Grizzlies, for the type of team that he needs to go to, just in their playing style and the fact that they already have like good veteran players and good young players. Like he's him filling him in with Dennis Smith and Seth Curry and uh, even Dirk Nowitzki, but also you know Dwight Powell. They may, I think they're trying to swing for the fences with DeAndre Jordan, which would be awesome. And they've also got Harrison Barnes. So, like, he's going to fit in perfectly with that group. And I think they're a playoff team, to be quite honest with you. So, they, the Mavericks definitely did really, really well. Um, I thought that the Cavs honestly made a really nice pick with Colin Sexton. I think Colin Sexton is a winner. I think he's better than Trey Young. He's not a better shooter, but I think overall, I think he's a better player. Um, he's not Kyrie Irving, but he's, that's a nice piece to have whether you have LeBron or not him and Kevin Love are are good together um as I continue to scroll through who else let's see oh here's another one um I I have to make a Duke reference Uh, Mm -hmm. but I actually think this is a very good pick I think Grayson Allen is going to do very well in Utah and I think you saw it from Donovan Mitchell, I don't know if you were watching the draft when Grayson got drafted and he was being interviewed and Donovan Mitchell came over and gave him a huge bear hug and was like, he was psyched to have Grayson on the team. I think Grayson very, very fairly has questions about his maturity and um, some of the some of the things that he did when he was at Duke, but I don't think you what you can't question is his athleticism. I mean, he set records at the, at the pre-draft um, uh, you know, just with some of his athleticism and, and all that, he's a he's a great great spot up shooter as well. 
Um, and so I think playing with Donovan Mitchell um, is going to be – he's going to fit in really well with them. Um, there's another one that I saw that I really liked. Oh, I'm really interested to see – this is the last one I'll say. Um, the Celtics took Robert Williams from Texas A&M with the 27th pick. Robert Williams fell really far. Um, and he's one of those guys that I think is going to be a lot better in the NBA than he was in college. There's some questions about his work ethic, but he's a really, really good athlete and a really good defender. And he gets compared a lot to Clint Capella of Houston, who was drafted around the same same spot and ended up being a steal as well. And the fact that he's going to Boston, I mean, Robert Williams is probably going to come off the bench to for Al Horford and you know, you're going to lose some offense, but you may not lose a lot of defense. And to be able to plug in a player like that on a team that's already as good as Boston is, um, I think just smart teams make smart moves. And um, that's why, you know, I look at somebody was saying the Hawks are so unlucky. And I was like, the Hawks are not unlucky. The Hawks are stupid. They, they were very lucky to get the third pick. But there, there's a reason why, not just in basketball, but in all professional sports, there's a reason why the same teams are often always good and it's because they're smart and they make the right decisions. And so I look at a team like the Mavericks. I look at a team like Utah, you know, Utah did it last year too with Donovan Mitchell. Everybody questioned why they drafted him. And then he was essentially the rookie of the year this year. So smart teams make smart moves. And yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point, Trent. And you know, to, to that last point, um, maybe the kindest way you could look at the Hawks overall draft strategy is very risky um, with some upside, but a lot of downside. And so maybe we can just ride that train of saying, all right, super risky, uh, maybe too risky, maybe stupidly risky, but there is an upside there. Um, High risk, low reward. That's what we're all about, baby. um, So I want to add a couple names. This is not as much, I would say my winners in the draft, but just people that I think, to look out for who I think could be really good, or at least I'll be interested to watch. Um, the first is Michael Porter jr. Uh, drafted 14 to Denver who yeah, that's great. from what I know, you know, could have gone number one the year before, um, but because of injury um, did not. And so he's now, you know, supposed to be healthy. His interview afterwards was very confident. I mean, he basically was like, I'm going to come in and make this a playoff team and I'm ready to be the star. And, uh, you know, you got to respect his confidence. And so I'm just intrigued to see if he's going to pan out at all. Um, the next one would be, uh, backing up your point, Trent, about good teams make good picks. The Spurs picked at 18 Lonnie Walker uh, yeah. out of Miami, and he looked really, really good. I think people were surprised he went that late. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how he does, especially with this huge question mark around uh, Kawhi probably not staying. And so – I think there's a lot of opportunity for Lonnie Walker next year to really shine. Uh, and then the last one is one you reminded me about. I didn't even, um, I didn't even remember this. I, I, I honestly didn't stay up for the draft to get to the end of round two, but the very last pick in the draft oh, yeah. um, has a last name that people can pronounce now. And you might, you might recognize Andy Um And so Costas. yes, Costas, right? So he was drafted and he was traded to Dallas. Dallas. Wait, is this is this Giannis' brother? Giannis little brother. brother. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, that's fantastic. He's, I highly doubt that he's going to develop in the same way that Giannis has, but that was yeah, a fun little pick, last pick of the draft. 
Um, one, one last one I wanted to give a shout out to for you, Randazzo, was Warriors, you know, as is their way, Warriors made another great pick uh, at the end of the first round, Jacob Evans from Cincinnati. Um, I think he's going to be a really nice guard for them off the bench and a guy that can contribute right away. So, um, again, the good, you know, the great teams, they're great for a reason. They make, uh, they make smart picks. So they do. Um, I don't even know what time we're at. Uh, we're probably fine on time, right? Yeah. We're looking at like 40 minutes. I got 40, 45 minutes. Yeah. So kind of want to wrap again, end the, end this episode by talking about the off season. And hopefully we will continue to record into this off season with our, you know, thoughts on what's going on. Uh, but to me, something that makes the NBA the best sport in the world in America is the fact that the off season is just as interesting as the season. Um, you can look back the last two seasons, two seasons ago is when KD moves to the Warriors last season, Chris Paul moves, Kyrie moves, um, Help me out, Trent. Help me out, Mark. Who else moved uh, last year? Tons of people made moves last year. Um, and so this year, it's, again, huge names. The, the top one being LeBron. So LeBron's going to finally go somewhere, right? Probably. Uh, Ka- uh, Kawhi Leonard, two years ago, top three NBA player, really didn't have an impact at all last year. Um, probably is going to go somewhere. And then you've got all these other pieces that are somewhat Paul, Paul less significant, but yeah, you got Paul George, DeAndre Jordan. Um, I mean, DeAndre Jordan, to be clear, is not a free agent. He has one more year oh, on his okay, deal. Great. They're just talking about trading him, but yeah. Um, then who else is Chris Paul a free agent? No, no. Um, I think those are the biggest ones. Have they been Young. talking about Damian Lillard? See. I'm not aware of him being a free agent. Let me check. And see. I don't know. So maybe these are just rumors, trade rumors kind of mixed in, but it, it's still at the very least these trade rumors of where these players could go and what people are talking about. These squads that could be put together still fit into the off season and what's going to happen. Um, what's Boston going to do with their, their stacked team? I mean, are they just going to keep them the same? Uh, I hope so. But like, what is Boston going to do? What's Philly going to look like? Uh, JJ Redick is a free agent, right? Um, yes. So yeah, that's right. Oh, you know who else is a free agent? Uh, Kevin Durant is, if he wants to be. Kevin Durant, oh, yeah, because yeah, right. he he opted out that. of his player yeah. option. So he opted out, I think, with the expectation to resign with a max deal. But uh, unlike LeBron, I think everybody knew LeBron is gonna opt. He opted out to leave. So another one, another one. Sorry, I'm looking. There's a few others. Um, Carme- uh, not Carmelo. Sorry, he he re-upped with <laughs> Thunder, but. Um, DeMarcus Cousins is another big one. That is, a, that is a huge one. Yeah. So um, it's the 29th right now of June. This morning uh, was when LeBron officially opted out. And so I think that that was the key moment that everybody was waiting yeah. for. And now yeah. now things are about to kick into gear. So um, Trent, what what's your take on kind of – let's just start with LeBron and – uh, Kawhi and Paul Paul George, those three. What what's your yeah. kind of what are you looking for? What excites you about <laughs> this off season? Um, well, similar to what you were saying with DeAndre Jordan, Kawhi is also not a free agent. He is just not happy with San Antonio, and so San Antonio is basically 
trying to decide if they're going to trade him. Like if they don't think they can re-sign him, then they need to trade him so that they don't they can get something back for him. So that's kind of the deal there. Um, Kawhi, from what we hear, wants to go to L.A., um, wants to go to the Lakers. I think from what I've heard, I mean, nobody really knows what LeBron is going to do, but I think that if Kawhi lands in L.A., um, there's a really good chance that LeBron could land there too. Uh, I think that LeBron definitely doesn't want to play with uh, Lonzo Ball. I don't think he wants to deal with the Ball family drama, and I can't really blame him. Um, so we'll have to see. A lot of it will come down to you know who you know does does Kawhi end up in LA? Who gets traded for him? You know who gets sent to San Antonio if that's the case. There's also talk about Kawhi potentially. I mean, Boston is eyeing him. Um, Philadelphia, you know, lots of different teams in the East are eyeing him as well. And so it, it's hard to make predictions because there's just so much that's up in the air. But uh, it will definitely be interesting. Um, interesting to see where some of these guys can land. Didn't the uh, didn't the Spurs officially say that they're not going to trade Kawhi to, to a team in the West? They opened it back up. They oh, really? Initially, there was a rumor they had said that, but it's they're definitely open back up with LA right now. Yeah, I um, as 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 a casual NBA fan who's who's getting more and more sucked into the NBA, I can completely affirm that uh, what you said earlier, Randazzo, that I am just as excited about the NBA offseason as I am about the regular season, which I've I don't think I've ever felt that way uh, about any league or any sport. Uh, I. Yeah, I don't know. I just think like the NBA is so like the teams are so much smaller and the personalities and like the players are so much more visible. Uh, and especially in this era, I don't know if you want to call it the era of super teams, but um, I don't know. Ever since LeBron, you know, went to Miami and they formed this, you know, this trifecta, like it's just really exciting to think about all the the potential opportunities uh, I hope. I really, sincerely hope LeBron leaves. It seems like he's he's moving in that direction. Um, I just think it'd be fun to see him in a different in a different jersey, playing for a different team. Initially, I I thought it might be really fun if he went to the Rockets right after, um, you know, the Rockets came so close to being the Warriors, and he's reportedly really close with Chris Paul. It's like one of his best friends. Yeah. Uh, and so I mean, you th- you talk about a big three. I mean. Chris Paul, James Harden, LeBron, <laughs> and maybe like one other guy. Maybe that's just a four-person team. <laughs> that's right. That would be fantastic. Uh, but yeah, I feel like uh, if he if he went to the Lakers, um, it would it would be great. But my question is like, I feel like they definitely would have to have they would definitely have to bring in another top talent, whether it's a Paul George or a Kawhi, because otherwise it just didn't seem like they're they're enough. Dude, what are Good you talking players. about? They've already got Isaiah Thomas and Lonzo Ball. Yeah. <laughs> Big three right there. And Kuzma. They got Kuzma. Brandon Ingram, too. Um, if, if like, LeBron is definitely not going to just go to L.A. It's going to have to be at least Paul George or Kawhi, if not both of them, for to get him there. I think, I think if neither of those guys, like, if Paul George decides I'm going to stay, because for Paul George right now, it's just Oklahoma City or L.A. That's, that, yeah. that, those are his choices. Right, so right, if right. the Spurs don't if the Spurs don't make the trade, and if they keep Kawhi, and if Paul George decides to stay in Oklahoma City, I can't 
fathom LeBron going to the Lakers if that's the case. I just I can't imagine it. I think he would if that were the case, he honestly might stay in Cleveland or he may go to like Philadelphia or something like that. Um that's what I mean, that's what I would do if I were him. But dude, dude, uh, what if what what if LeBron just pulled a complete out of nowhere, ended up on the Bucks with freaking Giannis. Like, what, what, what team would he end up? Would you be like, never thought he would be there. Probably is not going to work out, but I'm really excited for it. Yeah, he's not going to go. That there. would be surprising <laughs> because um, I'm trying to think of cities that are as lame to be in as Cleveland and Milwaukee. <laughs> probably ranks up there. Milwaukee. <laughs> oh, yeah, Milwaukee's right up there with Cleveland. Uh, I, I think. I think LA is a good fit for him. You know, I heard a rumor that he's going to announce where he's going to go um, with the same announcement of, you know, Space Jam 2 uh, coming out, something like that. No, what? just a rumor. So, um, you know, I, I think he is, in addition to not, not anything against his career, to me, I think he's going to make a move that is going to extend his career beyond the NBA. And, that's kind of my thought process and you can probably do that decently in Houston, but not as much as you could in, in LA and how great would it yeah. be if both the Clippers and, you know, the Lakers made moves to get, you know, to become competitive again. Yeah. Well, awesome. apparently his, uh, like his, his kids are supposedly going to go to school in California and he's a big fan of the magic Johnson. Who's kind of the, is he part owner of the Lakers, or is he just the general manager? What, what what's his relationship? He's the GM. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean the Bill Simmons take is like he goes to LA. It's a huge market, and he learns under Magic like how to how to be like a billionaire mo- mogul. You know, larger than just one sport. Uh, you know, like I have stake in the franchise type. Uh, yeah. type athlete which i, I feel like lebron has that kind of leverage <laughs> he's like yeah. i'll I come to the lakers if you give me five percent equity in this entire franchise i yeah i feel like he already knows he's as successful as magic has ever been at all of that stuff already so but i do know i mean magic is definitely one of his one of his idols for sure but i to your point i do think that he's he's thinking you know post basketball i think he's thinking about his family as well i mean his son Bronny is I think going into ninth grade next year, and he's a he's he's legit, legitimately a top level high school basketball player, um, and is already getting offers. And it's not just because of his dad's name. I mean, he's like he's a good young player, and so I think he's thinking about you know his son's you know high school career as well. Um, but I still think even though all of those things are very important. I still think he wants to go to a place where he can have an opportunity to win. And oh, so sure. again, to my previous point, LA would be so perfect for all those reasons that you mentioned, but if they can't land Paul George or Kawhi or both, I still don't think he would go there because they just don't if he, he you don't want to go to a rebuilding team. So yeah, right. I I agree with you, Trent. I I just think that maybe there's a narrative that I believe, I don't know if it's fair to LeBron, that if you want to prove yourself, go over to the West. You know, like you've made the finals eight years, nine years in a row, or something like that in the East. And yes, the East is exciting, and you shouldn't have been there this year. But 
go to the West where it's a real challenge. That's that's the pro of the pros. So I, <laughs> I'm just gonna make a really quick point to that Randazzo. I think that is, I think this idea that we have that the West is just unbelievably better than the East um, is false. I do think that you'd have to go through the Rockets and the Warriors to get to the finals, which certainly would be tougher than anyone you have to go through in the East. But I think depth-wise, I personally don't think the West is that much better than the East right now. But I just hear it's not it's not you. I, I hear this all the time. Yeah, it's a narrative. People say like there. LeBron went to eight straight finals. And it's not you. Like, it's me. It's the East, though. He went to eight straight finals in the East, and I'm like, it. No, you're just. The NBA is is different almost every single year. So are there some years where the West is obviously better? Sure. There are some years where the East is better too. It goes through phases. So it, yeah, anyway. but so I, I guess my counter argument to it, and I think you're right. I'm not really trying to disagree with you. It's more devil's advocate. How many times did we walk through these teams that had these incredible teams but didn't make the finals because they lost in their conference finals? But you look at their team and think they probably could have made it to the finals and you know they were probably better than the team that the you know the other conference sent to the finals and there's the celebration of making it to the finals that LeBron has earned it's an it's by far one of his strongest narratives I've been to eight different like finals in a row and so if you're going to celebrate that what you're what you're saying is that you you know were the best in your side of the conference but you, what is not ever celebrated and what is, in my opinion, 100% forgotten are all of the teams that make it to the, to the conference finals. You forget those teams unless you're doing deep dives. And so it's even, you know, it's enough to make it to the finals and be remembered. He, really, the only reason he's being remembered for that is because he's done it consistently so many times and repetitively with the Cavs and um, the Heat. So, that's just, I think, the other side to it is, in my opinion, the Rockets should be remembered this season for what they accomplished, having a better record than the Warriors, um, you know, making the most threes by far, and it, their system working in the regular season, and then just, mm-hmm. you know, coming up short. Yeah, I think there's two sides to that. On the one hand, I definitely agree with you. Like, hey, there are some some cases. I mean, I think about the Sacramento Kings in the early 2000s that could never get past the Lakers. Um, and there's always that team that you, that just can't, can't quite take the next step. So on the one hand, you're like, Hey, as a basketball historian, you're like, Hey, don't forget these teams. They're really, really good. And they're really fun to watch. But on the other hand, I almost feel like, yeah, but you could never do it. So you kind of do deserve to not be remembered because hot take, like you just couldn't. I mean, I mean, there's a part of me that's like, I mean, you just said it with the Rockets, like, oh, their system works in the regular season. Like, there's no, you, you don't have an excuse. Just like the Thunder in 2016 don't have an excuse. They should have beat the Warriors, and they didn't. And so, okay, well, the Warriors are who we remember. So, yep, good point. It, history remembers those who win. So, um, so anything else to add, Mark? You want to chime in on? You got an opinion there? Uh, no, no strong opinion on that. My one final thing was just going to uh, ask you guys about kind of what you make of um, a lot of NBA players. This is this is like a new trend to they they create these like little docu series when they become free agents about uh, their process of signing with a new team. JJ did it last last summer. 
Paul George is doing one right now. Uh, it's it's pretty hilarious to me. I really enjoy it. Um, I was watching a clip this morning of he, Paul George is sharing uh, uh, a nice bottle of red wine, <laughs> a nice Cabernet with Dwayne Wade seeking seeking his wisdom uh, on, on what to do. And I mean, part of it is is I mean, I'm fascinated by it, so I really enjoy hearing the way that because uh, I, I I think as a spectator. Uh, you can kind of oversimplify what that process looks like. Uh, but, you know, when you hear the athletes talk about it, like there's, I think JJ said it really well last summer. It's like you want to go to a to a place that, um, you know, is going to pay you well, uh, that values you, that is great for your family and is a good team, you know. And ideally you can get all three of those things lined up, but it's always <laughs> way more complicated than that. Rarely do they all... Do they all three line up? Um, and I legitimately believe that, you know, when LeBron says, like, my family is going to be a part of the decision, like, I, I believe that, you know, like, they're not they're not just solely after, you know, always after, you know, the most money or what what have you. I mean, there's there's a lot of different factors that go into it. Yeah, I've, I've got a, I've got a thought. Trent, do you have an opinion on this as well? I don't, I think it's fine if NBA players do this. I don't really mind. I get a little bit frustrated when high school players do it as they're deciding who their the college is going to be that they're going to spend one semester at. But uh, <laughs> NBA players yeah. are more than they're, – they're adults. They're more than welcome to do it. Yeah, I just heard about this this morning, actually, the Paul George three-part series. And to me, what, something that I'm actively experiencing at the end of every night is there is an NBA to watch. We had – you know – the NBA postseason is probably too long. As great as it is, it's probably too long. Um, it's like two months or something like that. It's definitely too long. And yeah. there was just every single night I would just, what, who's playing tonight? And if I don't have something else planned, I'm going to watch. And so I have this gap, which is actually wonderful because now it's like, great, I can do so many things with my evenings. I, I don't have this default thing that I want to do. Um, and so especially with FIFA going on ending at like 4 p.m., which is kind of what everybody is talking about and watching right now. That's not a primetime thing. So I think it's probably ESPN and or other companies, if they're doing it, trying to monetize how incredible the NBA offseason is. I would put the blame, so to speak, on more of the you know um, ESPN or, or, or those companies as opposed to Paul George. I, I highly doubt Paul George sought this out. He doesn't really strike me as the kind of guy who's like, I'm going to do a three-part series reveal on how I'm going to make my decision because he's pretty laid back and quiet. But if ESPN approached him, he's probably like, yeah, I'll do this. Sounds great. So I think I, I, you said, Trent, you're fine with it. I agree. I, I don't, I'm not really bothered by it. But to me, there's kind of this gap of exciting television to watch, and that's because I'm currently just low on baseball right now. And, and just it, it's it's fallen as the fourth sport in my life, um, below uh, soccer and and the well, NFL. So lucky for you, the World Cup is on right now. I was about to Which say, Rendazzo, like, like arguably one of the world's greatest tournaments, sporting events, is happening right now. And you're right. complaining about summer entertainment in the evening. There's no the World Cup is not. Oh, happening that's in true. The that's what I'm saying. There's oh, that's like, true. There's this that's prime true. time. Like I get home from work and and FIFA's over. So. Uh, you have to go spend time with your wife. Rendazzo's uh. <laughs> <laughs> evenings. <laughs> uh, so that's it. Um, but really excited about 
you know, the moves that are going to happen. So in the it's going to be awesome. So yeah, so we'll just to give our listeners an update. Um, uh, thank you for listening. We're uh, we will have a another uh, episode soon as we as we get some of these moves landing. We'll we'll have our thoughts, our takes on where LeBron, Paul George, Kawhi, where these guys end up, and uh, kind of preview heading into next season. We're also very excited that we're going to start doing our team profiles again soon. Everybody loves our team profiles. I don't know what our next team is going to be, but very excited to get back uh, on that. And that'll kind of keep us going until the, uh, the season starts. We might even chat a little bit about summer league basketball once that starts up. Um, so yeah, Randazzo, I don't know if you have NBA TV, you can check out summer league once that starts up. It's always fun. I do not have NBA TV. Um, well, yeah, I um, there's a I listen to the Locked On Hawks podcast, and the guy leading that probably he he's kind of in three or four other media projects, and he's going to Vegas or whatever to watch the summer league. And I was like, wow, mm-hmm. that's that's kind of the goal is you know maybe one day uh, next summer uh, if Trent and I are doing this more you know consistently and we've figured out how to bring in revenue, um we could be traveling around the country watching and following the off season. But until then I'm going to let the locked on podcast guys do that. And, uh, I'll just follow on Twitter. So, so if you're listening, if you're listening and you love basketball and you have revenue to spare, please pass it on ooh, to us. That is a great, that is a great thing that you just mentioned. I have a practical way they can already do that. So, um, this podcast is going to be joining a larger network of podcasts called Super Team Media. And if you go to superteammedia.com, you can actually find out more. There's a Facebook group that you can, uh, I guess, follow or say you're going to it, RSVP on Facebook. Um, and I think most of our listeners are uh, probably in the Atlanta area, but I know some of them aren't. You're still invited. You know, take a train, take a taxi. Uh, take a train take some other take a horse take a uh, carriage take, yeah, yeah there you go uh you know get here come um and we're going to be raising small amount of money uh to um help us with some equipment costs and some hosting costs so three million dollars uh, just exactly. a very marginal amount. amount that's right um but yeah you're invited and uh other than that on twitter we'll be you know posting some of our favorite stuff uh with the off season on uh our twitter handle at the nba fan podcast all right well thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time yeah that was uh